Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is the Spurs Cast with your host, Paul Garcia. And welcome back to another episode of the Spurs Cast. In today's episode, I will be going solo I'm going to be diving into the latest rumor regarding the Spurs and Trey Young of the Atlanta Hawks uh, and get, providing an update on Marcus Morris Jr.'s situation with the Spurs. Uh, and then also uh, going through the last, through the first five games of the rodeo road trip for San Antonio. So let's go ahead and jump right into this episode. Spurs cast episode 732. Okay. So there was a, there was a pretty interesting rumor that came out on uh, Wednesday, Valentine's day uh, this week, uh, written by Howard Beck of the, of the ringer. Uh, in that, in the, in one of his um, articles, kind of just uh, recapping um, the trade deadline and kind of just w- what was heard, some some of the noise. He had he had an interesting nugget here, uh, Howard, about about Trey Young and the Spurs' potential interest in him. So, before I get into the Spurs' part of this of this article, um, if you, again, I do um, encourage you to read the article in, in full. Uh, he had some interesting quotes from some different executives across the league. So, according to an Eastern Conference ex- executive. Um, the Eastern Conference executive said of Trey Young that he's available, that, that the Hawks have made him available. And then uh, a Western Conference executive in this article said, I think they would love to trade Trey. So again, these are just two different executives from obviously from different teams. But from what Howard's heard in his reporting, um, you know, the other execs think that the Hawks, their their intention is to to try to move um, Trey Young here uh, in the future. Now, where do the Spurs play into this? Here's how the Spurs' um, part comes in. Uh, uh Beck mentions that the Spurs, that according to one executive, again, just one executive, um, uh, said that Atlanta discussed a potential Trey Young a trade with San Antonio before last week's deadline. So again, this I, I know that that it's kind of been been um, you know, a lot of people have 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 um, pr- uh, provided their opinion. Different journalists that you know they think that San Antonio would be a really good um, landing spot for San for for Trey Young. But this is the first reporting, or at least first rumor that that shows that the Spurs did have some interest in Young if they in, indeed were on the on, on a call with with Atlanta, just kind of just just discussing a potential um trade trade Trey Young type of trade. So this becomes very interesting because obviously we know traded to get traded. Neither did Dejounte Murray, who the Spurs also reportedly had interest in. But this this just shapes up for if. Atlanta has a um a very you know like a, like a tough end to the season does they don't meet the goals that they want to uh this off coming into this off season then there's a high chance that that potentially uh Trey Young or DeJounte Murray can end up moving and that's actually what what Beck mentions in his piece he says uh you know according to what he's heard uh Atlanta's come you know it wouldn't be surprising if Atlanta departs with I with with one of um Trey Young or DeJounte Murray or even both players perhaps so again this is just very interesting that this is the first reporting we've heard now that the Spurs actually made some contact with Atlanta regarding, you know, what does a Trey Young type of trade um, look like? So again, we're, we're looking, we're looking at the situation like the Spurs do have interest. So, so knowing this, hearing this rumor, I, it, it really piqued my interest my, uh, myself, you know, I, re- I really started to think, you know, what, what would it take, um, um, you know, salary cap wise, trade wise uh, to make this type of a deal happen. And so uh, what, what I really, what I really want to do today. And I, I sat down, I did, I did a lot of research um, is look at, what what would a trade look like? How would it even work if the Spurs and Hawks, you know, were interested this coming off season to um 
try to put together a trade for Trey Young to end up in San Antonio. So there's two timelines that the Spurs and Hawks would be able to uh, to um, execute this type of a trade through. There's before uh, July 1st, which is still this this current 2023-24 season salary cap year. So um, tr- in in this salary cap year, Trey Young's making 40 million dollars right now. Uh, the Hawks are $9.6 million under the tax and the Spurs are $24.8 million under the tax. So again, this is before uh, July 1st comes that this trade will be done. Maybe this trade uh, could happen like right before the draft. It could happen or maybe those uh, after the draft, but those days before free agency officially begins, because again, Young's contract for this time frame is at $40 million. And so, uh, you know, see, seeing this, as I started kind of just uh, playing with different trade machines and also just kind of running the numbers myself, uh, it, the Spurs, you know, they could figure out a deal like this, uh, um, according to some of the, the machines that I ran here and the projections, if they decided to, um, you know, if they, if they were able to include Keldon Johnson, who's making 20 million this current year, again, before July 1st, and also Devonte Graham, who's making 12.1 million. Now we know that Graham's um, salary isn't, isn't fully guaranteed for, for next season. He would have to be waived before July 1st. So again, this trade would have to be done before July 1st, you know, completed where Young's on the Spurs and then um, Graham and, and, and Keldon are on the, uh, the Hawks. And then from there, of course, if the Hawks didn't want to, did not want to keep Graham on the roster, then they could waive him before July first. So again, it would have to be. I would say this trade would probably be, be be one of those that needs to be done maybe like on draft night or or around that time frame, around right when the draft's coming. Now, of course, the the big question here is, you know, for the Hawks, it's you know how many how many first round picks do they want, and how many are the Spurs, um, you know, willing to give up or, or not willing to give up, especially considering that, you know, as far as looking at salaries, Kelton needs to probably be included in this trade because he has you know the lar- largest contract to side. Um, you know, I don't think the Spurs would, would would look at moving a player like Devin Vassell. There's no way. So so again. You know, you're looking at Kelton as as a, as a, as that player whose salary would need to be included in this trade. And so because of that, um, then you start asking that conversation of, you know, how many picks, what, what, what does it take for the Spurs to say yes or no? And then what does it take for the Hawks? And so, again, that's where it gets real interesting. Again, I don't have the, the answers there, obviously, but just salary wise, I was, uh, you know, as I'm, as I'm making these projections, it would look like, again, you could probably get a deal done before the trade deadline or not before the trade deadline, before the, before July 1st, uh, with the salaries of Kelton Johnson at 20 million and, and Devontae Graham at 12.1 million. And then you're bringing in Trey Young at, at 40 million if you're San Antonio. And again, that conversation goes back to the draft picks to do, do, the, do the Hawks want three picks so they want four but then again the Spurs can say no well we're you know the, the Spurs are, are are trading a really good young player in Kelton uh, uh you know who's on a very good contract in, in the next few years so again that's kind of where the where the back and forth goes in those negotiations but uh, but again I think a, a deal if if the, the Spurs and Hawks were serious about making a deal happen uh, uh you know in the off season I really think that it would have to be the best time frame is to do it before uh July 1st before the the, the new salary cap year starts on July 1st and, and and here's the reason why as I get into this next part and just considering the draft assets that the Spurs have we do know that the they have you know between uh, um at, at minimum 11 first round picks in the, nev- the next seven years and at maximum 12 first round picks in the next seven years if uh, that that Charlotte pick conveys, I doubt it's going to convey because Charlotte's not expected to be a good team in the next you know two to three years um, or in the next two years before it turns into a second round pick. So again, most likely that Charlotte pick ends up being a second round pick. And then a- another reason why I would say you, inc- you it, it, um, regarding trying to trying to move Young before the draft or around that draft time is that you know if the Spurs were to include some of their one of their their current draft picks, uh, you know the 2024 picks, whether it's like that Toronto pick, um, you know. Um, uh, you know, some picks right, right now, then it's easier to, um, 
to for the Hawks to have more control of their draft situation where they could like look at a pro- prospect that they want. If, if they make the trade happen before draft night, well, then they get to actually choose that player, uh, make that selection. Or if they know a trade's going to happen right after the draft, you know, um, then then the Hawks could tell the Spurs, hey, pick this player that he's going to be that player is going to be included in the deal uh, for Trey Young. So, again, there, there's just more control um, for the Hawks situation. If if it, if if this deal, if this deal were to happen and it included a, a draft pick that's included in the 2024 draft. So, again, that's that's something um kind of just to watch again why why I think both salary wise and also draft pick wise it's a little bit easier to make this work uh before July 1st if both teams wanted this situation. Now let's look at the other option which is to 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 met, try to figure out a trade that happens after July 1st. So this one gets a little bit trickier just because um you know I'm I'm going more soft pa- uh paper pencil here uh paper pen. Anyway, uh th- the reason why it's a little bit tougher is because it's all the different trade machines we have out there that we have access to like the ESPN one um uh, there's another one. I forgot what it's called. Anyway, there's multiple different trade machines. A lot of those trade machines only um, let you work with salaries that are within this salary cap year. So it's hard to project uh, what what the um, you know figure out trades starting after July 1st because again again those salaries haven't haven't you know happened. The salary cap year hasn't uh, quite set uh, been set yet. So I've kind of just again re- reread some of the CBA guidelines and kind of tried to figure out trades here of, of what the situation looks like. So if now let's talk about what happens if this were to happen after July 1st. So we know that. Tra- Trey's salary now goes up by $3 million. Uh, starting on July 1st, he's going to start making $43 million. So now if you're San Antonio, you have to put a package together that's going to get close to that number of $43 million. The Hawks, if they were to you know, let other free agents walk, they're expected to get the, right now it looks like the ninth pick for themselves. And then also um, like the 18th pick is the projection. Uh, they have a pick coming in from Sacramento. So if they get those two picks, and let's just say they let other free agents walk, well, then they, they're they expected to be about $3.5 million under the tax um, starting on July 1st. The Spurs, as I've, as I've mentioned multiple times here, they could get, they could have as, 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 as little as $17.1 million in cap space uh, again, if they get Toronto's pick, or they could have as mu- as much as twenty two point eight million if they don't get Toronto's pick. So if, if if the Raptors, you know, bottom out and they end up with the top six pick, well then the Spurs don't get that pick, and then the Spurs have a little bit more cap room twenty two point eight million. This also takes into account right now. I just have the, the Spurs pegged as, as getting the number one pick. Of course, if the pick's number two, three, or four, then that's a little bit more cap room um, for the Spurs. Uh, cap space, should I say? Cap space for the Spurs. Uh, if they if they don't get the number one overall pick again, that twenty two point eight million dollar number is with them getting the number one pick. Um, also, something to note about that that Spurs max salary cap space for the Spurs, which is like seventeen to twenty two million. This is assuming that they 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 do unfortunately have to let all their free agents go. They also have to let go of players on on non guaranteed contracts. These are players like possibly Charles Bassey or um, Julian Champagny. So again, th- th- that's the only way the Spurs can open up this seventeen to twenty two million is to let go of. Um, free agents and let go of players that aren't on guaranteed deals as well as um, uh, waving Devonte Graham in this situation, even though he has a partial guarantee of like 2.5 million. So again, the Spurs have some cap room there. So um, the way, the way this one would work, there's two different routes that I see. And again, I, I'd rather, I, I'd feel better about the, um, you know, my research here, if I had like access to a trade machine that worked with, with July 1st numbers. And so using their cap space, let's just say the Spurs have like $22 million in cap space. To make this type of a deal happen, the Spurs, you know, wouldn't need to get all the way up to that forty-three million that Trey Young's contract is at. They could use part of that cap space. The way they would do this is they would have to um, include Keldon Johnson's salary, which is going to be nineteen million um, next season. Uh, possibly um, a player like Malachi Branham, who's making like three point two million dollars on his salary, and then that might help. Uh, that that and then plus the twenty-two million dollars in cap space. That kind of a trade, if you do the, those those two players, plus you're, you're using the cap space, that that helps the Spurs stay. Um, 
below the salary cap in, in a trade for Trey Young, again, acquiring him at 43 million. According to my research, again, I'd feel a lot better with that answer if I had access to like a, a, a cap machine or something like that. So again, that just using the cap space, that's what I see could, could be possible right now. Again, based on my research is Keldon and Branham. Uh, could could get that deal done uh, with and and um, you know at, using also the Spurs as cap space as long as they stay below the salary cap they don't go over a hundred grand over the salary cap. The other way, if the, let's just say that doesn't work, maybe that's that, that's not the way it works. Then the only other way I see is to figure out contracts that get up to that forty-three million. That's a tougher assignment for San Antonio. So in this situation, the Spurs might have to be putting together like three or four players to to get up to uh, Trace salary. There are forty-three million. So there, uh, just to make the numbers work, they might have to um you know put Keldon Johnson's salary in there. They might lose their you know who, a player who could end up becoming their backup point guard in, in, in Trey Jones. He's making nine million dollars next season, and then also possibly. Um, um, you know, having to guarantee Devontae Graham's salary for next season at 12.1 million to use it in a trade. So he gets paid the entire 12.1 million. Or if they don't want to use Graham's salary or even trade Jones, well, then they have to package like three or four players together just to try to try to kind of meet that number. Um, again, you're, you're talking like players that are making like 3 million, 3 million, 2 million. There's, you know, there's, the Spurs just don't have a lot of salary uh, to make, um, you know, big trades right now uh, if they don't want to include some of their key players. Of course, you know, they don't want to create and include some of the players with, the, with the higher salaries. And so that's what makes it tough. And you might be asking, that question, you know, why have I not mentioned mentioned Zach Collins, you know, who has, you know, a, a more movable um, salary there to, to help a trade happen. The reason why is because, again, as I mentioned here on the Spurs cast is that according to Bobby Marks and also, you know, as I reread the CBA, Zach cannot get traded or be traded until October 2024. And why is that the situation? Because he signed a, a veteran extension. And so a player cannot be moved for, for one year from that veteran extension signing date. So he signed that contract about mid-October, late October. So, again, um, according to, to the CBA, what's written there uh he can't be moved until uh, about october 2024 so again um you know that that's why i uh, zach's contract would help getting a trade trade on kind of kind of trade help um going forward but again because he, his his salary can't be moved into october it looks like um you know um that that makes him a little bit more challenging in terms of trying to figure out the salaries after july 1 to uh, figure out a Trey Young type of trade. And then of course the other part of it still goes back to you know at the end of the day it's really coming back down to um you know what are what are what are the negotiations with the draft picks? That really that's where I think that's where all this these if, if the Spurs have interest and the Hawks have interest of making a trade Trey Young hap, uh, Trey Young deal happen in the summer, it really comes down to those questions as of you know who who's saying yes or no on on how many draft picks are included and what protections and what swaps etc. And so I think that's where that's where that's where the yes or no conversation even comes into play. I think that if they both teams wanted to make a deal happen, they they definitely could whether that's before July first, um you know before the draft or um or after July first. Again, it'll be it'll be a little bit more tricky um to, to figure it out after july 1st just because the spurs have to put figure out how to get to that number of 43 million but again i think that they they, they have the the ability with both teams being under the under the under the tax next year projecting um to, to figure this out so again that's that's kind of just i it just really piqued my interest seeing that that rumor from howard beck just because again it's the first reporting we've seen right now that that shows that the spurs um had some interest so again not only interest in dejounte murray but also um trey young and so i think that again going forward the 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 main thing to watch going forward in the season is how how do the Hawks finish out if they have a you know if they don't have a good ending to the season if they if they don't they don't meet the objectives that they set forth for themselves then I think that you know and it looks like they're looking for like a rebuild or reset then I didn't think de definitely um, Dejounte or Trey could definitely um, be in play for for San Antonio if they have interest and of course there's gonna be other teams that that need you know need a point guard and um, maybe they they get in get they get into them you know a bidding type of war to try to try to acquire one of those two players and I would just say about Trey you know looking at the 
current all-stars of, of this year. He's like the, he's the only player who, who, if he was available in a trade, he's the only player that looks like, you know, he, he's gettable to, to get in a trade uh, if the Hawks do intend to move him. Uh, this coming summer. So again, that's just the latest on this latest Trey Young rumor. Again, it really caught my attention there, and I wanted to, to just kind of dive in and see what what it will look like if the Spurs and Hawks were to try to make a deal. All right. So now for the next topic, let's just talk about um, where the Spurs um, stand with the Marcus Morris um, senior um, situation. Uh, so uh, of course we know that he was he was acquired last week on a on on the trade deadline on Thursday. The uh, Spurs still haven't waived him. You know, there was reporting that he was either going to get a buyout from the Spurs or he was going to get um, waived. And so I think that's still going to happen. And they have some time to do this. There's no, there's no rush to do it. And so, um, so we do want to note that he, you know, he hasn't been waived just yet. Uh, right now, what the team's doing with him on their injury reports is they are listing Morris as um, not with team. So again, he's out, um, not with team is what they're what they're writing on each of their injury reports in, in these first two or three games since he's been acquired on the team. Um, this, the de- the deadline for the Spurs to waive him so that he can join a playoff team is March first. So again, that's that's the key date to watch. It's about two weeks away. So again, they have about two weeks to figure out if they're uh, you know how, uh, when they're going to waive him. And so it's March first that that he he can um. He has to be waived to to sign with the playoff level team. Uh, we do know that um, you know just looking at the, at this at the um, the waivers, uh, the way it works is that he would probably have to be waived two days before that, so he can clear waivers by March first. So again, he would probably have to be waived by forty by, by February twenty eighth. It's probably the deadline for San Antonio to waive him. And then we we do know that the Spurs are are still being cautious about um, you know what they're going to do with that 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 um, open roster spot if they end up doing waiving. Um, uh, Morris, because we've seen that they haven't gone out and signed any of these players that ended up, you know, getting away from their teams last week. Um, some of those young players who, who didn't work out for them, such as Killian Hayes, such as a player like James Booknight. The Spurs never, you know, it looks like right now they haven't made an attempt to, to, to try to go after those players. We haven't seen much reporting on those players. So it looks like they're still um, being very, very um, conservative with, with um, you know, trying not to get uh, Dominic Barlow too, too many games on the active list because, you know, again, he, he only has a 50 game limit to be on the active list. If not, the Spurs have to either waive him or convert his contract to a two week, I mean, to a full roster spot, which of course right now with Morris still on the roster, they don't have the room to do that. So we have seen, um, uh, in the last three games where he, where Dominic has, uh, been, been, um, out for two of those games where he's been on the um, inactive list. And we see, of course, Zach Collins get those minutes, but there was a game a few games ago where, uh, you know, Zach and Dominic Barlow were both, were both healthy and available in the game. And coach pop started with Zach in the second quarter, but then in the second half, he actually went to Barlow and he basically said, you know, Barlow's kind of earned those minutes. He's been playing really well from what the Spurs coaching staff has seen. Now, of course, we've seen lately that, that Barlow has been on the inactive list and pop did say that, you know, Zach has had some difficulty coming back from from injury he hasn't gotten been able to get back into his form of where he was before the injury and so of course the Spurs are giving Zach some time to try to figure that out and um Barlow's kind of having to to be on the inactive list right now and again that's because San Antonio doesn't want to cross that 50 game limit of um of him being on the active list so again I think that Barlow's that player to watch if the Spurs do end up waving um Mar- Marcus Morris so that he can end up getting a full roster spot and the Spurs don't have to be like on a watch for him in terms of him going over his active game limits. So again, that is the latest on where the Marcus Morris situation stands with San Antonio as of uh, when am I recording this Thursday evening mountain time. So again, he's still on, on the Spurs roster. Uh, and then for our last topic here, I just want to do a quick little um, update on, on the Spurs' first five games of the rodeo road trip. Um, and then also kind of just uh, some some trends for Wemby of how he's been playing in some of these games. And so let's go back to uh, when the ro- rodeo road trip first started. It was last Wednesday. Um, the Spurs were on the road at Miami. This is before the trade deadline. They lost to the Heat by 12 on this night. It was close for about three quarters. Then Miami took over in the, in the fourth, and the Spurs ended up trailing by as much as 19. 
on uh, on last Thursday, so a week ago from today, uh, the Spurs were on the road at Orlando. They ended up losing this game by 16 points. Um, Orlando had a comfortable lead uh, from halftime onward, and the Spurs ended up trailing by as many as 23 points. Devin Vassell had a really um, uh, big third quarter here with 23 of his 30 points scored in the third quarter. It was, um, you know... I was listening to um, um, the San Antonio Express News podcast. Um, I think it's Spurs, Spurs Insiders. And they were talking about that, you know, how, how Devin had that, that historic mark. And it was something that no, no other Spurs player has done, which is really which is really um, impactful. I think that the only part that kind of takes away from it is the fact that the Spurs were kind of down by, by a lot of points in that. So even though he was having a really good quarter, the Spurs still were, you know, Orlando always had a pretty comfortable lead. And so I think that's why if I think had, had it been a more had it been a closer game, I think it would have got a lot more, you know, hype and and just build up for that for that moment for for Devin as he as he set set forth a historic night for the Spurs uh, on that night at Orlando. Uh, and then on Saturday, the Spurs were on the road at Brooklyn. Um, you know, they weren't supposed to lose by this many, but they did. They lost by 20 points in this game. Um, Brooklyn held a comfortable lead from halftime onward. Um, the Spurs trailed by as many as 28. Again, that wasn't, that wasn't something that we were expecting to see, you know, Brooklyn's not that, that much better than San Antonio roster wise. And so, um, you know, they weren't even favored that by that many points, but they ended up leading by 28 and winning this game by 20 points. And then the uh, not a surprising win, but but a win that was very um, you know demonstrative was uh, the the win this past week on Monday at Toronto. The Spurs um, ended ended their losing streak by getting their first win of the rodeo road trip. They defeated the Raptors by twenty three points. They led by thirty one points. They never even trailed in this game. And um, you know, it really it's it, it was about the second half where the Spurs really took control. You know, they had the lead, yes, throughout most of the first half. It was pretty close, but then the Spurs completely took control um late later in the third quarter. And then uh Wemby um had had his second triple double of his career, as I'm gonna talk about here with 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 an impactful 10 blocks. And then the most recent game uh, was the Spurs at Dallas before they go to the All-Star break. So they were at Dallas on Wednesday uh, last night, and they ended up losing this one as well by, by double digits. They lost by 23 points on the road at Dallas. Um, you know, the Spurs actually came out really well with the 15-point lead they built on Dallas. But then the Mavs slowly chipped away, chipped away. By halftime, the Mavs were up by five. And then the second half, the Mavs just completely blew the game open. They ended up um, uh, uh, taking, I think it was like a 28-point lead or 29-point lead. Yeah. So they ended up leading by 29 points. Uh, Dallas and they completely, you know, took that game away. And so the Spurs, you know, to begin the first half of the rodeo road trip, they are one and four. Uh, you know, it's kind of, you know, you you would have said yes, they probably lost these games against Miami, Orlando, Brooklyn, and Dallas, and they probably would win Toronto. But again, you you, you didn't think that they would get blown out in a lot of these games. I think that's that's the that's the key thing is that that we've seen a lot more blowouts. Again, the, the good the one positive was the fact that they that they blew out themselves, uh, Toronto. That was one of the one of the highlights. But again, uh, for this team, they've been a little bit more competitive. I think that um, something that Coach Pops mentioned and just kind of you've seen from the players is just like the, the kind of there's all the games, um, four games and five nights. I mean, you know, just the the kind of schedule that that, that they've been part of. Um, they really haven't had, had a lot of days off um, recently. I think it's kind of caught up to them, especially with them being on the road. So the so the um, rodeo road trip couldn't have come at a perfect time. And I think Wemby's a player who kind of just kind of just shows that in terms of like you, you could just tell the fatigue was kind of getting to him in some of these games recently, where he's finally had a, a really good bounce back, uh, especially with that Toronto game. So just to talk about his triple double against Toronto, Wemby had 27 points, 14 rebounds, 10 blocks, five assists, two steals, and just 29 minutes, less than 30 minutes of, of, of playing time. Again, it was his second triple double. Uh, I had tweeted after the game, just, I kind of just, I was just interested to see, you know, who did he block the most? Cause I saw a lot of Daka Perto and I saw a lot of, um, 
uh, Scotty Barnes blocks for for uh, for um for Wemby on that night. And so sure enough, I kind of went through the play by play and I kind of listed on on Twitter all the uh, all the players, the exact number of blocks that they, that Wemby had. And and uh, poor Yakaporto, man, he had uh, four. Wemby blocked him four times out of the out of those ten. So you know, Yak couldn't couldn't get his little jump hook against Wemby's layups. And then same thing for Scotty Barnes. He tried to attack Wemby multiple times, and he even got blocked. I think it was like three times as well. So um, again, Wemby had a historic night there with 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 ten blocks. Um, uh, in, 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 on his way to a triple double in just 29 minutes of action. And then just something we've seen from him is he's finally getting his stride back together again. I think that the fatigue and just the amount of games, the, the not that many off days uh, kind of just ha- had an effect on him. And we saw that a little bit with some of his performances where before um, the, the most, the previous three games, he, uh, he he had scored in four straight games less than twenty points, and again he had he had been on that streak of like ten games in a row of twenty points. It looked natural to him to just get twenty easily each night for for a stretch there. But then we had seen that you know he he had um, really had some struggles in games where he was he was only getting a few rebounds too, and you could just kind of tell his energy wasn't quite there. It was just kind of that the, the the long season was kind of getting to him. But then in these last three games, he's really had a bounce back where he scored now between twenty one and twenty seven points in his last three games. And when you look at where he's scoring from, he's really getting a lot more points again in the paint where he's. He's a little, he's a lot more aggressive in there. I'm trying to get, you know, 14 points of the paint, 16 points of the paint on his way to a 27 point night. Uh, and then also something that's really improved for him has been his three point shooting in his last six games. Wemby has made two or more threes. And, um, uh, and again, just his last six games, he's taking 4.8 three point attempts per night and he's making 48% of those shots. So again, his three point ball has been there right now, especially his spot up type shot. He, um, he has that shot going. And then even when you look at a longer stretch, if you just look at his last 14 games played, he's now shooting 39% from three on, um, on, um, yeah. And, and basically the same amount of attempts, about, about 4.8 uh, attempts per game. So again, we have definitely seen his, uh, his, his three point shot has, has helped him out to, to, to be a, a little bit more consistent. I know that was one of his areas where he really struggled to begin the season, but again, lately these last, you know, 14, 15 games, uh, his three point shot has been a little bit more consistent and we've seen his percentages go up as well. And then just regarding his blocks where he's at for the season now um, in just 49 games played of his rookie career. Again, this is like the baseline of where his career is going to begin. He's already at 157 blocks. So again, 157 blocks in just 49 uh, games played. So that kind of wraps up uh, this episode of the Spurs cast. Again, um, I just want to kind of dive into that Trey Young rumor, uh, just provide an update on Marcus Morris situation. And then the first, just kind of explore the Spurs, the Spurs' first five um, rodeo road trip games. Uh, the Spurs do, um, they're going to participate, some of the Spurs players, in uh, all-star f- festivities this coming weekend. So uh, this will be on Friday, probably when most of you are listening to this episode. So Wemby and Sohan are both going to be in the Rising Stars um, skill um, game where they're going to be on different teams. Wemby's coached by, um, his coach is going to be Pau Gasol. And then um, uh, Sohan's team, is uh, he's on Jalen, um, I think it's Jalen Rose's team. And so basically they're not going to play each other in round one, but if they both win round one, then they will meet in the finale. So again, that, that should be pretty cool. Uh, the rules for that game are, are to not, not a certain amount of time. It's more a target score. So each team plays a target score. Uh, I had the, I had the details in a, in a, in a recent Spurs cast episode. And then if they, the teams that win, they go on to play each other, which would be Victor versus Sohan if they both win. And then from there, they play the finale, uh, a, another target score type of game, but just at a, at a, at a, at a lower number. Uh, Wemby will also be part of the skills challenge night where he's going to be in that. Um, the, yeah, I think it's called the skills challenge. Like, you know, where they run around the hoop and they, they throw the passes and there's like three, it's like a little relay. So he's going to be part of that, that event as well on Saturday night. Uh, I forgot who his teammates were. I think it's Ann Anthony Edwards, the T wolves. And there's somebody else, uh, Paolo Bancaro, I believe. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't have the information in front of me anyway. Uh, so Wemby will be part of all-star Saturday night as well. So that'll be fun to watch. And then, um, Sunday, you know, obviously the Spurs didn't have an all-star this cut this, this past year. So, you know, Sunday would just be the normal all-star game. So, so it should be fun to watch. Um, um, 
yeah, there for San Antonio. And then from there, the Spurs get a lot of days off, which is good. You know, they definitely need this rest, as we've seen with some of their, their recent blowouts that they've lost. Um, you know, they definitely could use that break. Uh, and then on Thursday, they begin play again next week, still on the rodeo road trip where they have about, um, I think, four games remaining on the rodeo road trip. So for Project Spurs, I am Paul Garcia. Thank you. Have a great day. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.